Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. All right, welcome to another exciting edition of the Purple Podcast. I kid, I kid. Matthew Collar in Chicago, Zolgad uh, back here in studio. All right, sir, you were at tonight's uh, game at Soldier Field. Where would you like to start in one of the uh, more disappointing losses of the 2018 season for these Vikings? Oh, boy. I mean, where to start with this one, right? I mean, so I much happened in this game that, uh, you know, I, I think people following me along on Twitter – um, I, I would be uh, looking at this game as one that Chicago tried as hard as possible to give to the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings, for the most part, just didn't want to take it back. I mean, so many times I sat there thinking, they're going to give this away, aren't they? They're going to give this away, and ultimately they didn't. The Vikings uh, ran out of time. But you, you kept thinking that if this game was played for like uh, eight quarters or seven quarters, that the Vikings eventually would have caught up with the number of times that Mitch Trubisky made mistakes or that Matt Nagy decided passing was a really good idea when all he needed to do was run the clock out. And it was, it was kind of wild, but my biggest picture conclusion of this whole thing was that both of these teams showed you just how flawed they are. That even in the victory, Chicago was extremely impressive on defense, but their quarterback told you exactly who he is. He's got a lot of talent, and he's really difficult to bring down for anyone on defense. But at the same time, he will do maddening things. He will make bad throws, and this time their defense bailed out Mitch Trubisky, but it was uh, overall not that impressive of a game for him after they got the lead. And that's where you know you think that the Vikings – really should have been able to take advantage of this, that the teams have left the door open for them. I mean, we go back to the Rams game. They had the ball with uh, down seven points. In the, in the Saints game, they had their opportunities. And then yep. in this game, they had their opportunities as well. And in none of those big games did they come away with a win. I would say the same thing for the Packers game. Uh, part of that's the kicker, but there's, there's many other things there. So all the teams that they've played that have been really competitive teams where they didn't come away with wins, they've always had their chance. And what do we make of that? Does that mean that they're just this close, or do you mean, or do you take away that this is exactly who they are—a team that can get close but can't exactly finish a game against a really good team? I'd like to start here uh, because I'm baffled still about this. 
How do you have two weeks to come up with a game plan for the Bears? And you spent the week leading up to the game acknowledging that Trubisky is elusive and can be at his best Tarkington-like. And you've talked about Khalil Mack and, and the fact that that you full well know that Khalil Mack has the ability to dominate games. And yet you come out in the first half with, with a game plan that it almost looks like you're surprised by these things. I don't get that. I mean, watching poor... Riley Reef, who's not a bad player, but Riley Reef being asked to block Khalil Mack one on one is a crime. I don't under I don't understand the game plan, especially as it was drawn up going into this game from a team that had time to prepare and full fully was aware of what the Bears could do well and almost didn't seem to address those things. And for for the first two quarters, it cost the Vikings time and time again. They, they were putting him outside. They were finding ways to get him one-on-one with Riley Reef, even though there was attention being paid to him. And all the Vikings said, like, we did the things that we were supposed to do, but we didn't execute against Khalil Mack. And that ends up being the story for a lot of teams. I mean, very few teams find a way to completely shut that guy down. But what you have to do is not give him the ball. I mean, you, you just can't fumble it right into his arms or you can't let him force an interception or a tip ball that almost ends up in somebody's hands or let him ruin drives like he's going to be able to pressure you you know that he's going to be able to pressure you you just have to work around that and something that I brought up to Kirk Cousins and he did not really have an answer uh, was about the screen game and and I asked him I said you know against Philadelphia you guys used a lot of the screen game where you were throwing these quick passes and you, you really mitigated the Philadelphia pass rush. You know, why, why didn't more of that happen tonight? And he said, you know, in hindsight, you can look back and um, look at maybe a lot of plays that, that would have worked better, which to me was an acknowledgement that he may feel the same way, that they could have used a little more in the screen game. They tried it a couple of times to Delvin Cook, but there really wasn't a whole lot of creativity there. And I, and I think that what a, a lot of the takeaway here was for many fans uh, that were interacting with me throughout the game on Twitter, and it's very hard to disagree after this, is just uh, the game plan was overall not impressive. I mean, you know, Pat Shermer faced this team twice last year with the same defense other than Khalil Mack, and I know it's a big factor, but they were top ten and what did he do? In one of the games, he put in six offensive linemen and ran at them with Latavius Murray. And in the other game, he threw screens like crazy and misdirections at them for short passes, and that mitigated some of their pass rush. So you know, I, I think that there probably was a combination here of game plan issues with Khalil Mack, and then also uh, the execution just was not good. And, you know, here's the thing about Riley Reef. I mean, you, you pay a lot of money for him, uh, $55 million, and I don't think that they have gotten anywhere near $55 million worth of left tackle over the last two years. He had a good first five games, and he's really well-respected. But overall, I mean, has he played like a guy that's anything above average for a left tackle? And, and all they needed was average, but I don't even think he's been that. I think he's kind of been eaten alive a number of times. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing you could do about that now, but it just doesn't look like maybe the best investment, even though they needed it as bad as they did last year. And all of the concerns that we voiced about this line going into camp and going into the season, Collar, all of it has come true. When, when, they, when they face good defensive fronts, they just can't do it. They can't do it, and they've got guys playing guard who they probably shouldn't have. It's just, you know, 2016 was an abomination for the line, and I give them credit because last year 
they weren't fantastic, but they made improvements, okay? But we looked at this after last season and said, okay, now now Berger's retiring. There are certain things that you have to do, especially if you're going to get a quarterback who, for the most part, is a statue. And all of us, as a first guest, said there are certain things that have to be done here, and they weren't done. And in a game like this, what we said always comes back to being true, which is you you are paying a quarterback what you're paying Cousins, and you are not providing him ample protection, and, and the resulting gaffes and miscues should not be surprising to anybody. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, you know, one thing Vikings fans should remember always is just how good Joe Berger was. And, you know, I, I mean, he was just a guy, and he was just a name that you might hear, and he wasn't a big voice or anything like that. He didn't go to Pro Bowls. He was a hell of a player. And when you take him out and you plug in Mike Remmers at right tackle, and I, I think the experiment has been an incredible failure, and I do not blame that on Mike Remmers at all. I blame that on them not finding another solution at right guard and being forced to just shove a guy over there, and then they're playing a rookie at right tackle. And no surprise, Akeem Hicks on the first drive just demolishes Brian O'Neill and sets the tone for the running game. And they couldn't run at all because Akeem Hicks is one of the best players in the NFL. Akeem Hicks was every bit as good as Khalil Mack tonight. I mean, he was just blowing up plays left and right because you have a player out of position at right guard and you have a rookie right tackle that is not going to be able to handle guys that are so quick and so powerful at this point yet in his career. And that's what they came away from free agency in the draft was basically no starting solutions, and Brian O'Neill has only had to be forced in there just out of necessity because Rashad Hill was worse. And uh, it's going to keep coming back to that, and I, I know that we haven't really gotten to you know, the elephant in the room with some of the Kirk Cousins throws. Oh, we'll get to that. that. We'll get to that one. Count on. But, oh, but, yeah. I mean, but, but there is, to some extent, though, I do not blame Cousins for some of it. Now, that's not to say all of it, yep. but some of it because – I don't think he was given a proper chance with the game plan tonight. I don't think he was given any chance by the offensive line. And that's been the theme of the whole freaking season has been pressure all over the place. And then the guy already fumbles a lot. But like you said, we talked about this at the very outset of the season for a quarterback historically who struggles under pressure and fumbles all the time that you have to do better on the offensive line. And they instead drafted a cornerback. And I mean, it's going to come back to haunt them over and over when the NFC has five or six of the best defensive tackles in the league. They've got great pass rushers all over this league. And, and this is what you're going to face. You're going to face guys who can ruin your game plan. And it's happened a number of times. And then even in other games, it's come close to happening, like uh, in Arizona, where Chandler Jones nearly ruined that game. So, I mean, at this point, there's no real solution for it. But you, you certainly did not pick a quarterback who was going to be able to mitigate some of the mistakes that cousins is a guy who tends to make them worse when things go wrong in front of him and around him and he certainly did that tonight and uh, i i just don't know what they're going to do in some of these games they get lucky that the packers are going to be without mike daniels um, but going forward they're going to face some good players again week 17 they're going to see this team again and i don't know what the real solution is if they can't find a way to scheme around it you uh the Vikings, I should say, attempted 46 passes tonight. They ran the ball total total uh, times rushing the ball 14 times for a grand total of, what, 22 yards? Uh, g- tell me this. 
What is your observation, critique, or f- feeling about the play calling at this point? Because we go back to a lot, as, as you said before, Pat Shermer had an unbelievable 2017 calling plays. He was phenomenal. John Filippo, I think we are at, at a point now where we at least have to back up a little bit and question how effective the play calling has been on a consistent basis, especially in big games in 2018. Yeah, I mean, that's a it's a question that is hard to answer because, I mean, I think that play calling is always one of those things that we can look back and say, oh, you called this play and it didn't work, so why didn't you call this other play? But when we're talking about having Pat Shermer as sort of what we can set uh, Filippo up against and sort of compare the two and, and how they match up, and again, Chicago did not have Khalil Mack last year, so it is a different story. I look at the overall sort of more than I look at specific play calls. And when you get down in the game pretty early, 14-0 in the first half, it's very difficult to run, and especially when the other team has Akeem Hicks, and they're, they're just not letting you run. There was almost nothing they could do. Now, I mean, maybe there were some other things that they could try. We saw very little in, in terms of misdirection or anything else like that from this team. We didn't see a lot of the same things that we Matt Nagy was using early in the game to have success. We didn't see, you know, the, the, the fake jet sweeps very often and things like that to try and help Delvin cook out. And it really does seem like there's, there's just like a step behind all the time with Filippo, where last year was such a conducive offense where it seemed like everyone understood every part of it all the time. And you just don't really get that same sort of sense from this team this year that they're still sort of feeling their way through a lot of things. And then when they're down by a couple touchdowns, oh, then everything works. And then you, you could put up a bunch of yards and move the ball down the field and get open. But, yeah. I mean, this is also a little bit of the quarterback's uh, M.O. as well. That, you know, in Washington, the, that was one of the criticisms is, yep, he put up 4,000 yards over and over in a lot of games where they were down two touchdowns. And then he would get them close, but no cigar. And, it, it, I mean, this is it's history sort of repeating itself with an imperfect team that he was put onto and so it's not it's not all his fault, it's not all Dee Filippo's fault, it's not all the offensive line fault, but when you put it together, it's very difficult to beat good teams. I mean, I, I would still say that this team is, is very, very talented and can be a playoff team when I watch other teams around the league and look at the standings, but as far as going in uh, on a primetime game and, and beating a very good team, it's just it's, it's hard to believe in them right now. My disappointment is this. They lost to the Rams, and I came away from, from that, that game, especially because at that point the defense was struggling, and, and I came away from that loss to uh, the Rams, and I said to myself, well, the Rams are a better team in my, in my belief. They lost to the Saints, and I said the same thing again, which is you certainly had opportunities without miscues, but the Saints are probably the best team in that conference. The issue with tonight's loss is the Bears aren't better. They have some talent, and and they are definitely uh, two or three steps ahead of where I thought they they would be in 2018, thanks to uh, the Khalil Mack trade collar. But this was not a better team, and this was a team, if the Bears are going to track like I think they are, a year from now, if you're playing them at home, they're not going to beg you uh, to stay in that game and give you chances. And so if you were, the Vikings should be, and they're not, they should be the class of this division. 
And to lose the way that you did tonight is extremely disappointing because it definitely shows regression and steps back. And this is not a game where I come away saying the Bears are definitively the better team. I say the Vikings did not take advantage on a night that they did not play great of opportunities that were presented galore to them, and they couldn't do it. So I I guess I would go back and forth on that because – with the Bears, I, I do think that they are a very strong top-to-bottom team that has more weapons overall than the Vikings. The Vikings have the two best wide receivers, but you saw Anthony Miller. Remember that name from a, a guy that I uh, liked it around draft time, and uh, I think a lot of people who covered the draft knew that he was going to be a very good player. So they add him as, as a weapon, and they add Trey Burton as a weapon. You, you already have a three Cohen there. So you saw them use just about everybody that they could possibly use to get the football early in the game. And and they also have a very creative offensive mind as a head coach. I think that Matt Nagy definitely went to the game management school of Andy Reid. That's for sure. uh, (laughs) Where you just mismanage the entire second half of the game after getting ahead. I, I think that he did that and I would criticize that, but I would not criticize their game plan from the outset. I thought it was fantastic. They were moving the Vikings left and right all over the place. The quarterback, of course, makes two bad throws and he gets picked off and just, you know, head scratching stuff. But I do think the Bears are, are the better team. Uh, when you, when you look at who has the best player of either team, it's Khalil Mack. He's a top five NFL player. When you look at a team that has a, at least a solid offensive line, it isn't great, but it's, it's solid. And they have an offensive mind who found a way to completely shut down Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin tonight. I mean, that was maybe the most impressive thing that happened other than, you know, Akeem Hicks and, and Khalil Mack's individual performances was Matt Nagy finding ways to make uh, Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin completely irrelevant. How often has that ever happened that both of those guys are completely shut out like they were today? So when I look at this team, I, I say, yeah, sure, the Vikings have an opportunity to you know win a game like this, and they didn't. Um, but I would also say I look at them as probably probably even. Uh, and, and if you're playing at home here in Soldier Field and one head coach has a better game plan than the offensive coordinator on the other side, this is what you get. You end up with, you end up with a loss that actually should have been a lot worse than it was if Matt Nagy had uh, actually handled the second half of this game and his quarterback had handled the second half of the game yes. decently at all. I mean, it was really mind-blowing, Judd. I mean, this thing... To look at 262 yards and two touchdowns for Kirk Cousins is so laughable. I mean, like you have Jordan Howard, who's just this bowling ball, and you're not giving it to him in the second half of the game. Instead, just running bootlegs where you have to throw the ball away because there's pressure. It just was was a really baffling um, thing in the second half. And it does say that they're not perfect, but I would say right now they are – the better team because they can they can block and they can certainly get after it on their defensive line. And Collar, Trubisky threw a pass that looked like it was intended for Rhodes, and if Rhodes catches that, he returns it for a touchdown and the entire thing is different. The play mm-hmm. call, the play calling by the Bears in the last two quarters gave the Vikings ample opportunity to score defensively. You almost didn't need your offense. That's what drove <laughs> that's what drove me crazy. I I guess I don't look at the Bears. I think they're good. I don't look at them as being by any means polished yet, though. And they've got a young quarterback who is who who can definitely elude pressure and is good at that, but he still makes some stupid throws. And and to your point about their play caller, Nagy was allowing him to make those throws. So their lack of polish to me, I mean, 
The Vikings signed Cousins for, to a three-year, $84 million contract to win games like tonight, where you, where you win that game and on the flight home say, my God, we won that game. I can't believe okay. it. That's a, that's actually that's a great point about the trajectory of the two teams and if you, I mean I, I'm not sold on Trubisky at all and Nagy's going to have a lot to prove and my guess is that the Chicago Bears get eliminated from the playoffs on both of those guys that they just aren't where they need to be yet but first year head coach second year starting quarterback with the first year of having a real head coach uh, offensively I think because John Fox wasn't bad as opposed to a team and a quarterback and a defense and a defensive mind that were all supposed to be proven and they were supposed to win games against the less experienced type of quarterback and head coach and here we are they didn't and, and you're right you know they've had three primetime games and they've come away with zero wins and they've got another one this week, so we'll see what happens there. But if, if you're talking about what we expected going in, I think all of us have just changed our expectation of what this team is as we've gone along. I think that by week, maybe like three, four, we just decided, you know what, they're not in the class. They're just not in the class of the league. And these are the types of games that they will lose when they have to play against great opponents on the road because they can't block anyone. And the team just has probably too many shortcomings to ever be considered in that same sort of class as someone like the New Orleans Saints or or Los Angeles Rams. I guess the real question is just, like, how much does this loss really mean? It probably is a little but maybe not much compared to what we think this is going to is going to happen with this team anyway. I, I mean, this hmm. team just so it, it just sort of looks like a first round out on the road against New Orleans type of team, and so far they haven't done anything to change that uh, perception or expectation of them. And uh, they'll have a chance because they're going to play Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson these next three weeks. But also they're going to have to not make the same mistakes that they made tonight because i mean maybe the packers would be dumb enough to mismanage a game like this uh, actually i can guarantee they would but belichick won't uh and you know seattle russell wilson won't when, when you, right and, and russell wilson we've seen him finish games and give his team a chance even though i mean they're very they're like the vikings really only it's sort of they do it in different ways like their defense isn't as good but the quarterback's really good but they're sort of flawed so, I mean, that, that's where they are, is that every one of these teams, like Carolina, good team, flawed. They lose to the Lions. That's inexcusable and, and kind of unbelievable, uh, considering where the Lions are. Atlanta, they were convincing me they're good, and then they lose to Dallas. Dallas loses a bunch of games early, but yeah. then they've come back and won a few. Right. Philadelphia is not good. But you were supposed think, to be better that, than that. That's the frustrating right. thing about this team. They they were supposed to be in the echelon of where we judge the Saints to be, and perhaps not right there, but Rams are supposed to go definitively, I thought, uh, let's say Saints, Rams, Vikings. And and what tonight's loss does for me is is it takes the Vikings out of the realistic conversation probably to win the division, which I which I do not think was asking a ton because this team yeah. was supposed to be when you sign this is what frustrated me so much from day one about not paying attention to the O line. When you sign cousins to that contract, you are putting yourself in your mind over that hump. And and yeah. to then and to then not address other things that you know that are areas of need. The windows that open in, in this league are open very, very briefly. 
and you've got to max out that opportunity. And signing Cousins sort of was, but you didn't take the next step. And so what tonight's loss does is tonight's loss now says to me, this is a wild card team. And and unfortunately, to your point, you can now throw them in the bin with all of the other, not garbage, but certainly not upper echelon type of teams like the Falcons have become or the Cowboys or go down that entire list. That's my problem with this loss. Yeah, no, I, and and this does change it because if they had won this game, you know what's weird about this game is I they lost by five, they lost to the Rams by seven, and the Saints by ten, and all of those numbers are not big, but none of those games did they really ever have a chance, right? I, I mean, tonight they, they no no, killed, they were really getting whooped by a couple of scores in yeah. each one of those games. By 11 points by the Rams, I think, at one point, or maybe it was more than that, and then by 17 to New Orleans, and they always get these garbage touchdowns at the end to make it look better than it was. So the fact that they were definitively beaten, really, it does say something uh, about where they stand. If they had come in here to a very difficult environment against a rising type of team that has one of the best players in the NFL who can take over a game. And if they had beaten them, I think we would have been saying, okay, the FC is such a mess that they're going to be the number three team sort of by default because the the Bears aren't ready and then here they are. And the the fact that the, the defense didn't play particularly well but sort of hung around has kind of been their defense. Like, aside from the Rams game, they've been okay, but they haven't been number one. And so a lot of the things that have happened are sort of the ones that we predicted that could take this team back a step. When they got Cousins and everyone expected them to go 13-3 and again, it was like, well, put the brakes on because teams are going to figure you out. You're going to have injuries. Guys will go you know, missing for five weeks like right. Everson Griffin, and these types of things will happen. So... Uh, you know, we expected some sort of regression, but now you're talking about five non-wins, you know, the four losses and a tie, and you're playing three of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I think we could definitively say three of the top six or seven quarterbacks in the entire league are coming up over the next three games, and if you don't come away with at least two wins, now we're talking about could this team even miss the playoffs, and if they miss the playoffs with this quarterback, I don't care what happened on the offensive line. I don't care what happened with Everson Griffin. I don't care how many injuries they had. It comes right back to him as the guy who could not overcome that. And once again, here we are in a national TV game against a big opponent, uh, and, and things went wrong, and he couldn't overcome them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been really like his MO for his entire career, and it certainly was the case tonight. Five, four, and one now. Of those five wins, you you tell me now, which win do you look at currently and say, wow, that was big? Philadelphia, I definitely did for a while, but they're a mess. Philadelphia is a mess. So of those five wins, if there is a signature win or or a super impressive win, hey, I get it. They were the defending Super Bowl champions. You got drilled there in the conference title game last year. You went there this year and won, and that's nice. But I don't know if I look at any of those five wins right now and say, that's a wow win. I look at them and say, okay, that's fine, but win in Chicago, right? Uh, Beat the Saints at home. Uh, Beat the Rams. Come back. A game like that, you you would definitely say wow about. And I think now, as we have this conversation with this team being 
one game above 500, uh, 10 games into their schedule. There's nothing really there that you say to yourself, that was super impressive. Well, let me take that even a step further, is what would their record be with Case Keenum? I mean, would it be worse? Would it be the same? Would it be better? I mean, you could make a case for all three of those. And I I mean that pun because I miss those puns. I miss the Case Keenum pun. I know you do. Um, Like, only you can. But but think about it. Like, you don't lose the Buffalo game with Case Keenum. Like, like Case Keenum never got beat in games that he was supposed to win, right? That they beat the Cincinnati's, Chicago's last year and and things like that. So you probably don't lose the Buffalo game because Case Keenum wasn't giving the ball away last year. Maybe he would a little more this this year. But let's just say you, you probably win that one. Maybe you lose one of these other ones that you won. Maybe you lose a game to the Lions by surprise or something like that. But, I mean, the reason that they got Kirk Cousins was to uh, make up some of the difference, knowing that there would be some regression, knowing that the schedule would be a little bit harder, make up the difference and be better. And they have not. They have not been better than if they had just like an okay quarterback. And Cousins really showed tonight. I mean, sometimes when, when he can melt down, it's a, it's a real serious meltdown and gives you no chance to win a game. And, it's, and, and you know, I, people were just looking at that Buffalo game and going, oh, no big deal, no big deal. Well, Buffalo does have one of the best defenses in the league, like, mm-hmm. like for talent. Their, their, their quarterback play, everything else is an abomination. But, like, their, their talent on defense is pretty serious, and they beat this team by causing mistakes. And here's basically, you know, another team who has a serious defense. They haven't faced too many of them this year, have they? I mean, the Jets, the Cardinals, and even the Rams don't have a good defense, and and neither does really New Orleans. So the only defenses that they face who can do anything, uh, they've been dominated by them. And that's what you got Kirk Cousins to do was to make up that difference because you knew you were going to face some tough defenses this year. And that it just it just has not happened. And maybe down the stretch, like he's going to get every opportunity because of the three quarterbacks they face next, these next three weeks, he's going to have every opportunity to prove that he was worth it and that he can win games against big quarterbacks in in big games. And the next one's on national TV too. But so far in this small sample size of a little more than half a season, uh, he definitely has not proven that. And, and the problem too is he is, he is becoming as he has been throughout his career, a really good box score. I mean, tonight, 30 of 46, 262, right? Two touchdowns, two picks. And you say, well, those stats, you know, those stats are okay, right? But they're not. Diggs, 13 catches, 126 yards, a, a touchdown. Hey, that's a pretty good, damn good game for Diggs. But it's not. It's all a box score. If, if you are, if you have a team that's supposed to be as good as this team was supposed to be, then you can't be excited about statistical fantasy success. And Kirk Cousins, I really do believe, if you look, he consistently is a really good box score. But you peel that, that away then and say, okay, but what did he do in X, Y, and Z in the crunch time? And the answer is not enough. And and it's not all his fault. And I, I fault Spielman because Rick Spielman had control of getting Cousins more help and he didn't do it. But you also are paying this guy an incredible amount of guaranteed cash because you said that he was going to take you to the next plateau and you've actually taken a step or, back, or two backwards, not upwards. Now, you've brought this up before, but just about Mike Zimmer and his viewpoint in all of this. And this is a game right here that you probably look at, that Mike Zimmer would look at and say, that wouldn't have happened to Teddy Bridgewater. 
And all the things that Bridgewater didn't do statistically, you know, he didn't put up a bunch of garbage yards because they were usually winning games, and he didn't turn the ball over all that much, and he did throw it away when he was in trouble, and all those sort of game management type of stuff that you, you know, you get eye rolls from people when you talk about someone being a great game manager, but you know, a game like this where Trubisky throws a couple bad picks and they mismanage a lot of the things on Chicago's side, that's a game that you probably do win if you can manage a little bit better and if you can produce produce points early in the game on some of these drives instead of going three and out, three and out, three and out. And if you're Zimmer, you probably look at this situation and say all the things that made him love Teddy to an inexplicable level to most people, right? Yep. I mean, people would make fun of how much he loved Teddy Bridgewater, but he doesn't look through the lens of someone's box score like you're bringing up. He looks through the lens of, Okay, maybe he had 170 yards and one touchdown, but they were winning from the outset, and he protected the ball, and he kept them moving on third downs. I mean, this has become another issue with the third downs when the game matters. I mean, the guy just seems like he can't really get, get them converted very often. And then, and then you add that on top with the turnovers as well. And, you know, I mean, this is the reality of having Kirk Cousins. There's a reason why another NFL franchise chose Alex Smith, who's been mostly an okay quarterback throughout his career but never really great never really won anything and they chose him and paying him a ton of money over keeping Kirk Cousins so it's kind of the accumulation here because it so if they give Cousins a little bit of a better setup they give him a better offensive line how about maybe a real number three wide receiver say right I mean instead of trying to throw to poor Laquan Treadwell uh, I mean, you let Jarius Wright go. I mean, this is a small thing, but like, no, it's I, not. I watched, Carol- I watched Carolina today, and there's Jarius Wright it, making a big catch in a big situation. It's not a small thing. It's and he's wide open at the end, and Cam Newton's got to hit him. But it, were, were you surprised to see that? No. I freaking wasn't. No, because so, like, no, because he's ideal at that job because he can run the right route and and catch the ball. And every time it goes to Laquan, it feels like it's uh, it's you know, I'm, it might work, but it might not work. Right, right. So uh, I will give Kirk Cousins this because I have criticized him for this many times uh, so far early in the year that he not only took the blame for the interception but also explained what happened on it. And it was uh, pretty simple that he thought he saw something that he didn't see, that they gave him a different look than he had expected and he reacted and made a bad throw, as as does happen to every quarterback. Uh, so give him – credit in a way for that but also it, it took it took this sort of game where it was just so obvious that you couldn't blame anyone else that uh he you know he had to uh say that so uh but i but i will sit, bring that up since we have talked about that at length about the leadership and everything else and and that's what i mean over these last couple games i mean you're gonna find out like if you think that the vikings are going to be a Super Bowl contending team for the three years at least they have Kirk Cousins. I think that this four-game stretch is going to tell you Bears, top defense, next three quarterbacks have at least two of them are guaranteed for the Hall of Fame. The other one is right on his way. And so if everything just falls apart here with this season, I think it's going to tell you a lot about the guy playing quarterback for the Vikings. Yeah, and this is now, you know, I mean, we're, we're speaking in the aftermath of this defeat, so I'm probably more down on this team than I will be uh, by Monday at some point, Collar. But nonetheless, I mean, this is an incredibly tough four-game span, and I said to myself, okay, 
it's going to be tough to win in Chicago, but you can do it. You definitely can beat Green Bay because I think the Packers are a mess next uh, Sunday night at home. And then it's going to be very d- uh, difficult to go to the Patriots and Seahawks and win, but you can get one of those. So that was a potential best case three of four. And now I look back and I say, well, I still think that you can beat the Packers a week from Sunday at home. But those the way that this team plays, playing against the Patriots there and and Seattle there in an incredibly tough environment for both places, I'm not going to be absolutely shocked if this four-game span goes one win, you do beat the Packers, but you lose to the Bears, the Patriots, and Seahawks. Well, so to your point, uh, as far as reacting and overreacting to the game, I mean, I, I think that this is a proper reaction because of how it really looked as opposed to the final score. I mean, this wasn't that close of a game. This was the Bears decidedly outplaying them for the entire first half and then not being able to finish the job because they're not there yet as a team with, with the Bears. And, and the Vikings having a chance, but then letting it slip away on a Kirk Cousins uh, interception. And, and that's, that is kind of what this team has been when they've played good teams. And if they had... If they had gone just back and forth, let's say it was like some sort of you know great great game where you know both quarterbacks were throwing all over the place or both defenses were playing brilliantly, let's say it had been that game, yep. I think we'd be talking a lot differently. But yes. this is this is another game against a good team where you're you're not really in the game as much as it even seems by the final score. And so when it's been proven three times against three good teams that you can't hang with them and you're 0-3 against them. And your quarterback played pretty good in the one against the Rams but has a key fumble. He played pretty good in the one against New Orleans but has a key pick. And then here didn't play good at all and puts up some numbers. I mean, yeah, I I think it's worth looking at it saying, okay, is this really a contender? Because when you go 0-3 against contending teams, it's kind of hard to look at you in that same sort of context. And, And this was their game to prove that they belonged, and we said the same thing about the New Orleans Saints game. Hey, this is their game to prove that they belong, and okay, so they didn't. So so that's who they've shown us that they are right now, and so your, your question is, okay, so how can you take this, what you have right now for a roster and coaching staff, and get to that top? <laughs> I mean, the playoffs, who knows, in the NFL, right? But I mean, boy, even getting to the playoffs you might not get now, to the play- I was going to say, you might not get there, right. Matthew. You, yeah, you might yeah, not get I mean, there. I I don't even want to. I don't even want to speculate about the path if you get in, which you if you are going to would most likely be as a wild card starting on the road. I don't even want to go there because right now I look at this team and this four game stretch, and I think that by the time you get done playing Seattle there, that there's a very good chance that we are basically talking about a team that very well could be on the outskirts of that playoff picture or basically not eliminated but with a ton of work to do at the end of the season in December to even get back in that conversation. Right, right. And then, you know, it really sort of lines up as the potential for the game against the Bears to be big. But if, I mean, the Bears don't have the same sort of difficult schedule, though. Nope. So it might it might actually turn out in their favor that uh, Chicago could be coming to uh, Minnesota without as much to play for. But, I mean, that's really looking way, way out in front and and you know they they'd be looking for you know maybe potentially home field throughout or something like that but I, but I think that they're going to be definitively number three so it, it really does come down to okay who are these other teams and can you get into the playoffs against them now because you look I mean five four and one not super different from five and five which is where Dallas is 
or you know Washington loses their starting quarterback, but that doesn't mean their season is over. Alex Smith wasn't even playing all that well, and they were still in in decent shape. And you know Seattle is, is sort of right there too. So I mean, yeah, yeah, there is certainly uh, nothing is a given here for this team going down the stretch, considering that they have one of the most challenging schedules that exists of any NFL team going into into these last few games. So, yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot still to prove that they can even get in the playoffs. And to your point, if you bring that all the way back to where you expected them to be when this whole thing began, uh, it's not struggling to get in the playoffs. That if you said, hey, yeah, you're going to sign this quarterback for $84 million and you're basically going to be a 500 team through 10 games, I don't think anyone would have signed up for that at all, no matter the schedule, no matter the injuries, no matter whatever excuses you have, change of offensive coordinator, no one would have been okay with you just being a shred over 500 because of a tie. That's ultimately how people get fired, Matthew Collar. Well, I mean, I, I'm not saying that yeah, they will, but I, but but that's yeah. how people. That's how when these things don't work out, that's how the pressure gets turned up on uh, the the coach, and I think in this case specifically at times, probably the GM as well. So it, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think you can go that far yet, but I, I don't either. If they, but, but if, if they, I mean, if but if we get to the end of this stretch and they come away with just one win against these these really good teams, correct? Um, then then you are talking about that a little bit because like this is. This is push all the chips to the middle of the tape. I mean, when you get a 13-3 and season out of Case Keenum, you're the GM of the year and you're everybody's genius and everything else like that. But then when you push the chips to the middle of the table and you say, okay, here's $84 million. we're going to basically wreck our salary cap and ruin our chances to sign guys in free agency to approve the offensive line, potentially ruin our chances to keep Trey Wayne's long-term or Anthony Barr, no matter how good your salary cap is, guy, and you pushed them all in the middle of the table, if you go 7-8-1 and one and miss the playoffs, then the heat is on pretty much everybody. But, I mean, you're talking about getting way far down the road on this after a pretty ugly loss here in Chicago. If they win next week, you're going to feel much more like they're – uh, sort of back on track to at least go to the playoffs, and then we'll figure it out from there. But but you're starting the way I guess I would describe it is you're starting to get to a point where the ground feels a little shaky. Like that you get those wins that you're supposed to get against the Detroit, the Jets, the Cardinals, all Correct. those things. Yes, and so you feel like okay, everything's coming back together, and you're in all right shape. And I would say, by the way, that I thought the defense played pretty well tonight overall. I mean. Others, sometimes it's amazing when I see on Twitter of people like the other team has 14 points. They have one touchdown and two field goals. And it's like apoplectic people everywhere. Zimmer doesn't know what he's doing anymore. It's like, do you guys watch any other games around the league? Like, did you watch last week when Chicago was just lighting up the Lions? Like, this is a pretty solid defensive performance that should put you in shape to win this game. And yet it didn't. And that's, I think, the disturbing part, Judd, is that. It, it didn't. Like, you, you held them to field goals and only 14 points in the first half, which is a fine total yep. for a good defense in this league, and it, you weren't even close at that point. So, like, I mean, that, that's where a little bit of it comes up. But as far as where this goes down the stretch, I mean, it, a lot will be determined by these, these next few weeks. And, and even if they I, – I guess I would actually amend that to say even if they do win against Green Bay – these three losses to the good teams in the NFC are going to hover over them as 
they just didn't prove that any any of their wins mattered all that much. I mean, because even Green Bay's not a great team. And then you mentioned the Philadelphia one. In hindsight, that just doesn't look like anything, right? I mean, at the time it felt okay, but like it felt big for them. It felt like it was turning their second half. But yes. now it's just, well, what does that mean? They're, they just got smoked by New Orleans. They're a terrible team. They're probably going to miss the playoffs. Right. Their players are injured now. They've had, they lost offensive linemen and, you know, maybe Doug Peterson isn't quite the same with, without Frank Reich, who is a really great coach uh, right now on the offensive side. Except for that pass play to Luck today. I I didn't like that one. Like where that. And, Andrew Luck's diving for a ball in the end zone. I wanted to go to Indy myself and wring Frank Reich's neck. This guy's got shoulder problems. He's a generationally great quarterback, you idiot. Yeah. So that bothered me. Yeah. Not, okay, uh, nobody's perfect. Didn't like that. I agree. <laughs> but, I mean, their, their offense is uh, becoming fantastic. So, you know, but the point just being right. that yeah, all of a sudden that win against uh, Philadelphia doesn't mean anything. And so this team at some point, and I don't know when it is, because maybe they'll even catch uh, New England at the right time. We'll see. But uh, that's going to be their next opportunity, really. Because even if they win against Green Bay at home, you should. like, okay, well, Green, right, Green Bay, we're talking about firing their coach. Yeah. So yeah. this is uh, not. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's kind of the way I, I'm looking at it is maybe you have two more shots, three more shots at, at proving that you can get a, a big win for the Vikings, and if they don't do that, they're going to end up missing the playoffs. The 2018 Vikings were not built, nor nor was the feeling ever that they would be a feel-good story. They were supposed to be a success story. And to be a success right. story, you've got to be you've got to beat the Bears on the road. You've got to beat the Saints at home. Perhaps you upset the Rams there, but that's the, that's the disappointment in this team is 13-3 and in 2000. 17 with Keenum as your quarterback was a really cool story and you said to yourself what a great comeback story and blah 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 and that was all fun but then you took that next step or you thought you did to be a success story and you're not and you are disappointing at every turn and tonight on defense when I said to myself if the Vikings are going to actually get back in this game and score they're going to have to not just get, not just force a uh a pick by Trubisky or a fumble, they are going to have to score off that. And that's a scary thing when you're paying a quarterback as much as the Vikings are paying theirs, when you become convinced that to stay in a game and have a chance to win it, your defense has to score a touchdown, and that's how I felt. Well, and I think that what we have to do is just readjust where we think that the team's ceiling is going to be because – when you go into the season, you think with the amount of money they spent and the quarterback with the numbers that they brought in, uh, you think, okay, well, Super Bowl, right? I mean, nothing short yeah. of that. I got asked, I don't know how many times, because, you know, uh, other radio stations call, want to talk about what the Vikings are doing in the offseason, things like that. Every single interview, someone would ask me, the host would say, uh, you know, is this Super Bowl or bust? And the answer every time was yes. Mm-hmm. When you spend that much money, the answer is yes. And anything short of that is going to be a pretty massive disappointment. But where I sit now, just realistically looking at what this team has put on paper so far, like that, that is not the expectation. Now it's sort of like playoffs are bust, and then who knows? <laughs> You've sort of become one of those teams. So, you know, when you, when you go back through a game like this, you look at it as not – well, they played a great game in Soldier Field, and the other team played a little bit better, and I can't wait for Week 17. It was more like you kind of got whipped and hung around a little, and that wasn't what you came here to do. That wasn't what you spent $84 million on the quarterback to do. Absolutely. 
All right, we're done. What's coming up on the uh, Purple Podcast this week, Matthew Collar? Oh, we will have a couple episodes with uh, Sage Rosenfels. You know, actually, the uh, journeyman quarterback of the week segment is the hardest with the Green Bay Packers because, uh, I mean, they've got some backups, but not too many journeyman starters. We might have to reach way back to uh, find some. Ooh, you're and right. Then, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, And then we will have the, uh, the Purple Live show on Tuesday night from 6 to 7, as always. All right, we will talk to you soon, sir. Thank you. All right, that's Matthew Collar from Chicago. This is Zolgad from uh, back home putting a bow on a ugly Vikings loss to the Bears. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.